Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today, Ian is going to share with you in theory how one might afford a Ferrari. We know many of you already can. Today's episode is all about the entrepreneurial checklist. Do you have the DNA to make it happen? Let's get started. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my captain, my co-hostess with the mostest, a man whose goal in life is to have a net worth larger than his social security number. Welcome to the program, Ian. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we'll share with you an inspirational entrepreneurial story. And one way we are leveraging Google Docs to amazing effects for our customer service. Welcome, Ian. Phone it in from San Diego. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Phoning it in. This is going to be one of the last times that we talk over the phone as I am headed to the Philippines soon, headed out of the country on June 10th to meet you in Manila, sir. I cannot wait. We are going to have a blast. We got a five-star iTunes review from Hannah Bob saying, I love listening to Dan and Ian and following their adventures around the globe. The content interesting, relative, and delivered in a genuine and personal format. True to their intro spiel, they make you feel like part of a greater community and of people forging their own destiny. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks, Hannah Bob. You know, Ian, the truth of the matter is, is we are a part of a greater community. Um, you know, it's that has been the best part of doing this show. Is yeah, I mean, hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of people that we've actually met that are listeners, that um, they're. They're building businesses every day. They feel they feel sort of alone in normal everyday living. And I think when they can gather around stuff like the Lifestyle Business Podcast and the DC and stuff like that, people feel less alone, you know, and, and, and me too, because it is lonely trying to explain this stuff back at the old family reunion. <laughs> don't quite, don't always quite understand it until you show up with the Ferrari. You know? <laughs> oh, I see what you guys were doing. <laughs> I love this kind of uh, this kind of community and this kind of camaraderie. Uh, this week I was out uh, racing at the track my motorcycle, and on uh, Friday I blew my transmission up, which is uh, not common, or I shouldn't say not uncommon in the Kawasaki's, and. Uh, <laughs> It turns out that uh, a guy that I met five minutes ago lent me his bike to race on for the weekend, so I was able to race out there for the weekend. But it's just this camaraderie. It's this um, it's this sense of everybody helping each other to achieve a common goal that I really like. And so uh, it happens out on the track for me, and then it happens uh, in the DC, and it happens uh, with the podcast too. Yeah, there's no question that people are just super willing to help each other out on Twitter, Facebook, and the comments. Um, and, and we do too. It's just, it's super fun, you know, to know self-benefit, but it, you just, you're passionate about growing these lifestyles and these businesses and you want to help other people uh, come along because once you get to the party, you don't want to be there alone. You know, you want other people to, to show up to. Speaking of parties, Tanya and Andrew of the magictravelblog.com sent us a photo of them listening to the podcast on a bus in Laos. 
as they were traveling in April. And one of the things I love about this picture, uh, Tanya and Andrew, this is their, they've been fans for a long time. They love the show, um, but they're sharing headphones on the same iPod. And I, we call that <laughs> point of Korean, Korean girlfriend. It's like, yeah. for some reason, I always see Korean girls sharing, sharing the headphones. I think it's cute. And uh, it's an awesome photo. You guys can, we love it when you guys send in the photos in of people just listening to the podcast all around the world. So very cool. We got a question today from Dave in Japan. He says, hi guys, I just found your podcast and it's inspirational. I've toyed with make money online for a while, but now I realize I haven't been serious. I want to get serious. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That was the line that allowed us to answer this question on the podcast. That was what the line that convinced Ian. I said, this guy wants to get serious. Ian was like, all right, let's do it. Hey man, let's you tell it. me you want to get serious. I believe you. <laughs> But I'm hitting my day job hard to pay off some debt. Booyah. So, given the resources of basically $0, but 25 hours a week to spare, what ideas would you suggest to start earning $500 to $1,000 a month ASAP and to go from there? I'm not looking for a blueprint or a sure thing, but some lateral thinking or just your perspective. Thanks again, Dave. Well, Ian, that is easily... The most commonly asked question we receive. So we are going to commit the meat and potatoes, a full entree course to the question. Let's get <laughs> moving on to the meat and potatoes, the DNA of an entrepreneur, a checklist. First so, thing I like about uh, what Dave's doing is that he's got 25 hours a week to spare. And I'm flushing out this idea. I said it couple episodes ago and I think it's a really cool idea to uh, become a bartender to quit your job and become a bartender or somebody in like a service uh, position you know in the yeah. service industry where uh, you can work at night and then you have your whole day uh, to work on your project and it's just like a way to bootstrap so you don't have to work your nine to five you can probably even make more as a bartender in a lot of instances so I like this idea of becoming a bartender I, I love how you're fixated on that but you know like uh, you go everywhere else and like there's all this sensible advice out there and then you listen to our podcast and we're like, we love when people become bartenders during the service industry. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'll tell you the, the theory behind that is there are jobs that maximize for different currencies and a service industry job maximizes for time. It doesn't take a lot of creative energy. It doesn't take a lot of outright time. I call that a transitory job. Um, I call a professional job a job that maximizes for income. So in a professional career, like being a lawyer or a doctor, you have basically no time and you have no mobility, but you have an epic crap ton of income. And so anyway, that's the theory behind, like if you think of time, income, and mobility as a system, and I think that's really useful when you're becoming an entrepreneur. Here's another theory I want to drop is... And this is also something I talk about with my buddy Tim Conley from a Foolish Adventure show a lot, who will be joining us in the Philippines for Startup Summer, by the way. I'm very pumped about that. Is process thinking versus event thinking. So a lot of people think like it's an event to make a thousand bucks a month on the internet. Thinking of the internet as an ATM, we're going to talk about the process, Dave, because I think that's talked about less. Everybody's going to share with you the events, you know, set up a Ning site and then do this SEO thing and then make a thousand bucks or whatever. You know, the short answer to your question is what's the quickest way to make 500 bucks a month is to provide a service to somebody to get on the phone with them, you know, help them with their business and then charge them a thousand bucks a month for it. That's something right. you can do yesterday. So the real question is, is what is the process behind that? That's going to allow you to easily 
repeat this. I asked Ian before we got on the phone call today, I said, Ian, if I took away everything from you except your MacBook, you know, how long would it take you to generate one to $2,000 a month in income? He said eight weeks. And that's scalable and repeatable. And I believe him. And I think it's because he understands the process thinking. So we're going to talk about fundamentally the process of being an entrepreneur, the things that are involved in that and things that you can sort of hack your way to having these things involved regularly in your life um, sooner. You ready to roll right. on this one, Ian? I'm ready to roll. All right. Why don't you, let's, let's get pushed off on our first point, which is skills. Yes. So the reason I said it would take me eight weeks to earn a thousand to two thousand dollars a month is because I got skills, baby. And uh, I don't mean just like, you know, little skills. I got big skills. I got skills that I've been working on for like the past five years. No joke. I got skills that I went to school for. Um, and so I've got real tangible things and tools that I can work with to make money. Um, I want to bring up my cousin as an example. She's pretty cool. Uh, she's uh, she's doing like music videos where she's like acting, and she's doing these uh, she's doing these spinoff videos of uh, of Harry Potter, and they're getting a lot of uh, attention. I mean, she's got a lot of Facebook followers and and a lot of interaction on her website and things like that. And the reason why she's getting uh, so much traction is because she's got skills, baby. She's uh, she's she's really working on her craft. And uh, and that's that's what counts is having skills as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and, and you know it's, it sounds broad and, and maybe cliche, but it, it's it's really a strategic thing to drill down and ask yourself what skills do you have or could you start to develop that are highly marketable. There's a guy here in Bali that just made the the, the switch, so to speak, just dropped out of the job and started a business, and just sent me an email saying, I mean, he's close to at a six figure run rate already, like the second month of the business. And part of the reason is, is that he makes these amazing videos and you just can't deny the skill set. You know, every time I think of getting a video done, I think of this guy and that's, that's a real skill that people are willing to compensate for. And that's one way that's, that's part of the process is, is making sure that, you know, you're not just building out the commodity skill sets. Uh, right. So if you went and got your liberal arts degree, hopefully you like learned a couple, <laughs> learned a couple of skills in there. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or, Absolutely. Well, it gave you the perspective to know that you need to drill down on something and something that's marketable. It's not going to be, en- I mean, if, if it's not going to be enough just to be the next copywriter, you know, that's everybody can write copy. Everybody that writes English can write copy. So, you know, if you're going to pick something that general and that broad, you have to be strategic enough to either focus it or figure out a way to show up at the top of the crop. And, there, and there's a bit of a problem here that's, uh, that I want to point out real quick. And that's like, um, like the business consultant, you know, like I, I know a lot of guys that are like making eighty thousand dollars and are like business consultants for like Booz Allen Hamilton, and uh, I'm just like, well, what does that even mean? And half the time they can't even explain what it means. I mean, they just like write all these reports and uh, meet with clients and things like that. But I can't really drill down on like any skills uh, that they have. Whereas like I know guys that like work in bike shops and they'll be in the back and they'll know how to like repair a bike. Uh, don't know how to take it down and, and build it back up in, in half an hour. And that's like a true tangible skill. So, so like being a part of a bureaucracy isn't a, a, a particularly transferable skill set into entrepreneurship. That's an important, important thing to be aware of. Um, and, you know, you see that a lot that, you know, people sort of are kind of convinced that they've got a skill set, but it's actually not operating. It's not operative. It's not, it doesn't produce value. It plugs in well to a bureaucracy, 
but it's not actually generating value on the ground. Like, and a lot of times it's like, you know, it's difficult because if you work for Booz Allen Hamilton and then all of a sudden you become an entrepreneur, it might seem pretty small fry to you. It might seem like, well, man, I was this big Booz Allen guy. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm helping people file tax returns or whatever it is. But, you know, that's how Booz Allen Hamilton got started. <laughs> and that's exactly. part of being an entrepreneur is just coming face to face with that. And it's like, well, you know, if you're so pumped up about like the status that you get from like that kind of role, well, then, you know, that's fine. That's what you're going to get. So the next thing is high friction relationships. Speaking of bureaucracy versus entrepreneurship, um, you know, one process really to focus on in that. Um, so I'll just give a little backstory here. Over, and, and this is kind of, uh, Dave, what, what, what I'm talking about is the alternative. I spent the last week poking around in the Warrior Forum, which is like a famous make money online place on the internet. And I just wanted to see what was going on because everybody talks about it, you know? And so I started going in there and I started responding to some people and playing around and stuff. And, and, and everybody what everybody says is right. It's, it's awful. It's, it's absolutely awful. Did you get that. banned? Is that why it's awful? I didn't get banned. I tried to really <laughs> help people and... It's just, you know, people are not interested in starting relationships in there. And that's the problem, is that high friction relationships are a process that gets us off the ground. That's what I hate when people are like, yeah, just start like an affiliate website in your spare time. That's awful. That's bad advice because those are low bandwidth relationships. Now, the way that that might strategically work out is if you like develop a skill set for a certain kind of affiliate sales that is really world-class, but that's rare for people to, to understand even what those skill sets are. And they might be like hyper conversion optimization or, you know, big traffic buys, arbitrage or whatever, like that kind of stuff. But like, right. that's tough. That's tough stuff. And you, you know, if you're into that, fair enough. It's a lot easier to be into these high friction relationships, consulting people, you know, absolutely, Dave, you need to have a group of entrepreneurial friends. You need, you, you cannot be coming home every night trying to convince the brother-in-law that this is the way to go. Like it, it, and this is also one of the way to hack this thing because when you look at successful entrepreneurs, they all have entrepreneurial friends. And I think that, okay, I don't want to say all, but the point is, is that that's a way to hack your way there. Is, is, is there a way that you could bring that into your life, introduce that into your life sooner than, you know, would otherwise happen? So this is a way to like put the cart before the horse. So high friction relationships. Um, that's why I'm not against tossing up the niche website or looking at the keyword research or like these kinds of ways to start a business. I'm not into it. I'm much more into, you know, who do I know? Who can I talk to? What do they need? You know, how can I see them regularly? Right. That's the way this to go. This is something we do with our regular clients all the time. I've got a call tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. with one of our bigger clients, and it's basically a, a broad conversation about uh, what else can we do for you? This is what we're doing for you now. This is how we're saving you money. These are the cool products that we're building for you. Yeah. Um, and we have these conversations like two or three times a year with them. That's how it gets done. Number three, part of the DNA checklist. And this is an important one. It's a producer versus consumer. Every successful entrepreneur, I think by there's some mathematical equation that's got to be backing me up here, produces more than they consume because they're producing at scale, right? If you're, if, if you're making enough that's making you money, um, you know, you're producing so many products or services or value or whatever it is, influence, attention, you know, you're producing so much 
much more than you're consuming. Here's the thing, you look at like a consumption option, someone's like, well, I want the answers from the DC, right? So you got a guy like Brennan Tully that joins the DC and he, he produces like a madman in there. He's constantly producing answers for people. He's producing interesting content for people. And he's made tons of valuable connections. And that's just one example of the dichotomy. But I think the important thing is, is that there, it doesn't matter necessarily the quality of what you're producing. I mean, it does matter. But the point is, is being in the production mindset. Like, if you're just consuming, you'll never get there. So you have to be producing something. And I don't think it's that hard to figure out something that's valuable. I mean, how many times have I gone on the podcast and said, why isn't anybody posting a, you know, an email opt-in conversion blog for bloggers every day? And the reason is, is that it's tough to do. But, you know, that's the production mindset. Anybody can produce that. Anybody listening to this show can produce that blog post. And it's about research, it's about hard work, it's about sitting in the cafe all night long, like I was last night, while your friends are going out. Because that's the difference between a producer and a consumer. Right. And if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, you got to produce stuff, or you got to hire people that produce stuff, or you got to pay other people to make stuff. you got to produce stuff. And any and that's what I love about this one, Ian, this is a simple one, is anybody can produce more than they consume. And it's just up to you. One of those things, man. Up to it's you. a mindset thing, man. I think uh, it's definitely a mindset thing. And if you want to, if you want to be a producer, there's a bit of delayed satisfaction that comes with that. You have to like put in the hard work, and then you have to sit back, and then you have to see kind of what happens. I mean, it's very delayed. It's not going to happen necessarily in one day. I think a lot of people find that hard right. to so, uh, to deal with. So the the next the next point, number fourth point about the che- the, the the DNA checklist here. And this one is an interesting one. I call it listening. Entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're, it's notable when you meet really successful people about how willing they are to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think people that are having, that are more event focused are also, there's a correlation there with ego focus. And people that are very ego focused have a difficult time listening for whatever reason. And I think this can change. So that's part of the reason we're talking about is it's not like something that you're doomed to and it's different in every situation, but I do think that people can start to learn to listen better. And it's part of this whole issue of sort of getting over yourself. And people people find it very difficult to get over yourself. Like I come on the podcast and I say like, look, this blog opt-in idea, it's a winner. And, and, and you know, the response that everybody always gets is like, well, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I always think like that was never my attitude when I was looking for, I was selling cat furniture. I don't know if everybody remembers that, but I was selling cat furniture. I'll sell whatever it takes to do it. Right. (laughs) And I think that, you know, what I was passionate about was being somebody was being successful, having personal freedom. These things are not difficult to get passionate about, but I see so many people waiting around for some, some cruise, cruise to success blog that I'm super passionate about. Not happening, man. I don't see this happening. I think you know what you got to be passionate about is not serving your own interests passionately, but serving the interests of others passionately. And that's about listening to other people, not your own ego. Uh, listening to the market just on the basic level I think uh, you know if you're talking to another entrepreneur and they've got some pretty good ideas like one thing I can't stand is uh, when I'm talking to somebody and they just can't wait 
uh, for me to shut up so they can say something that they want right, to say. All right, the next point, Ian. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, you're a valued member of our team. That was a joke. You did a good job with that. <laughs> hey, this relates to our point of head underwater intensity, man. This is about discipline. You've got it. We've got a clip about this one, and this is part of what this is related to getting over yourself and you know what you need to be passionate about is the principle and the process and not necessarily the object of everything ian you could write that opt-in blog that we know can be a success and you would do it because you're passionate about the process about freedom about success and that when you focus on those fundamental things you get to the places where you're passionate right Ian, that's I mean, true we're getting our, on our, a, look you can't even wait to let me finish here man you <laughs> i'm never done man i'm never done keep me going our company was about cat furniture but me and you were getting on an airplane to hang out in the philippines on a deserted tropical beach with 15 other entrepreneurs this summer that's how we're going to spend our summer and it leads to that by getting over yourself at the beginning and just providing value to people are you, you done provide- yet <laughs> no, I've got more. <laughs> How about we play this clip? He said, I got a question for you. Somebody answered the question for me. He said, when you were underwater, what did you want to do? He said, I wanted to breathe. He told the guy, he said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. That's just awesome. I love that. I love that. The next one is seeing the Ferrari, Ian. What is, it, what, is, what is the issue that you have with the guy who wants to sell an SEO ebook? <laughs> I think it's a, it's, it's a distinction. Uh, it's the process versus the event. The guy that wants to sell the SEO book, uh, I think that he's, a, he's like a special kind of entrepreneur in my book. And, uh, I, you know, he, he's going to be able to sell that SEO book and maybe he's going to be able to make $1,000 a month, maybe $2,000 a month. And that's somewhat of a repeatable process, I'd say, for however long, a couple of years or whatever. But it's not really a totally scalable process. Uh, it's not really um, something that he can build on. I don't think that he can. It's, it's not very easy for that guy to make $1,000 the first month and then $3,000 a second month, and then in the 12th month, be making $100,000 a month. Right. Um, so it's like if you're looking at the internet as an ATM theory, like that's what everybody in the warrior forum is doing, Ian. They see the internet as an ATM. Like I'm just going to go there with the right card, and as, if, as long as I can like get the PIN number from some other guy, boom, I'm going to get my 1000 bucks. And a lot of people talk like this, Ian, because they say things like, I just want to make like an extra 1000 bucks. I'm not that greedy. I'm not that crazy to pay for everything. I just need to make $3,000 a month. I just want to build a business that does $3,000 a month. But what we call seeing the Ferrari is seeing the long-term implications of the process and the, the actions that you're taking on a daily basis. Because the, the truth is, is if, if you build a business that's making $3,000 a month on the internet, as an entrepreneur, you know that that doesn't end there. That's that's our clever way of saying, see the Ferrari. 10 years later, that's a Ferrari, man. That's not just, I made $3,000 a month and I'm super happy about it. Because these extreme, actions- uh, I was gonna say extreme cases of these are of this type of person is like Felix Dennis or Richard Branson. I mean, they, they in no way, shape or form had the idea that they were gonna stop at $3,000 a month. Yeah, and everybody's got their number. Everybody's got their model of Ferrari or their model of Ford Taurus that they want to buy. I mean, that's up to you. You know, I don't, I don't want to 
tell people how much they should make or whatever. But you shouldn't. You should. You owe it to yourself to try and get to where you want to be. But here's the thing. The thing is, is it's 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 selling the process short when you say you just want to make three thousand dollars a month. I know that everybody wants to get there to you know to pay for their living expenses and to have personal freedom and stuff, and that's baller. But but the implication of what you're doing is much greater. The implication of building value on a daily basis. And part of this, Ian, is just about patience too. Because at the beginning, seeing the Ferrari is seeing the $3,000. And understanding that the actions you're taking out every one of those 25 hours, Dave, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're not doing the consuming and if you're doing the producing for 25 hours, you're, you're listening, you're producing value for people for 25 hours. And you're being honest, you're over yourself you're delivering value to others, boom, that is going to, the implication of that is that it's going to happen. Building value, eventually money is going to come back to you from that. And and what's not going to happen with the people that are on the WSO Warrior Forum trying to ATM the internet, it's not going to happen because they're not engaged in the right kinds of processes. They're trying to solve their own problems. They're listening to themselves. I need 3000 I need this. I need this. I'm going to implement this, and I'm going to hope to get $3,000. Right. That, to me, is what I'm reacting against and why I don't think anybody should hang out in the warrior form. All right. Final point, don't sell out. The idea here, Ian, is so many people, they fail to do what they believe in. And I think there's a fundamental difference. There's two different kinds of people. Because I remember when you had a job, Ian. I remember what you were like. Really? Yeah, because I used was to give different you quarterly kind of reviews. I should ask that. Wouldn't that be great if I could pull out your review? Actually, to be honest, we should give a little bit of history here. I remember your first review, and I think we were good enough buddies at the time that I actually bailed out. I like didn't. <laughs> I didn't participate in the review because I was like, well, Ian's my buddy, so I kind of give him pretty. I give him unfairly high marks. I remember this. And I think that that was everybody's feedback to me afterwards. They were like, you're giving this guy unfairly high marks. <laughs> <laughs> we were totally in cahoots, man. It was a we disaster. We were in cahoots. It was bad. All right. So anyway, here's the thing. Um, one of the things about you, Ian, when you had a job is you believed in what you were doing. Is you found ways to be engaged with that job. If whatever the boss gave to you wasn't up your alley, you would come back to the boss and be like, let's do this. That to me is the process of sustainable, passionate engagement. I think it's part of what uh, Randy Commissaire would call the the deferred life plan, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we you should just link have, to that video. You can't, it, you know, this is a tough one to sort of inject into all this. It, it's a tough one to carry out because everybody needs to make a living, I know. But I do think that there's a different process in refusing to do stuff that you don't care about. And look, there's tons of jobs out there. I, I don't accept that you, as a smart person, you can manage to download a podcast, which is a very difficult thing to do on iTunes, I know. And to sync it with your device, which is even more difficult to do if you have an older <laughs> device like I do. If you're smart enough to figure that out, you can find a company to work for that where you can find things to do that you're passionate about that build something for you. So it's not this duality of, oh, I kind of soullessly you know, defer my life for 50 hours a week and commute and job in order to pay loans and to make a living. And then, and then 
That to me is just not good enough. That's a process that's not scalable, sustainable. It's going to take you twice as long to, to build whatever the value, the skill set um, that you're building if you take this route. And I just don't think it's acceptable. So I, I think that if you can, you can go on the web and you can find a company to, to uh, find an entrepreneur to work for, to find a company to contribute to that will be in line with your values. That's the magic of the internet. That's the opportunity that exists today. Stop sending resumes off via Monster or whatever people use, Craigslist or whatever. That's not good enough. That's not going to cut it. And you're, I mean, the bottom line is like, it, sure, it can work, but you're, you're really cutting yourself short if you're not going out there and working with people that share your values and are allowing you to build the kinds of things that are meaningful to you. Ian, your thoughts. I'm done. I'm um, ready to pass out right now, by the way. <laughs> um, it's just simple for me. Mom doesn't like a sellout. You know, you don't want to disappoint your mom. Your mom doesn't like a sellout. You know, she wants to see you happy. She wants to see you doing what you want to do. She doesn't want to see you in a job that you don't want to be in. So don't be a sellout. You know, the, like du- you said, the duality, of course, is mom is going to consistently advise you to sell out, but she won't love you as much if you don't. That's correct. She will not love you as much. Life is hard sometimes, Dave, man. I don't know. We don't have all the the best answers, but I hope in some way we can inspire you. I believe, Dave, that what you're doing, you're coming home and you've, you've pulled aside 25 hours a week. And that's huge. I know that that's not easy. So, you know, our, I think, fundamental advice is continue to surround yourself with people that believe in the quest. It's possible I mean, it's totally doable. It's more doable today than it's ever been in the past. And it's about putting yourself in that production, service, listening mindset. But of course, if you want to start a blog, I'd start one about opt-in conversions for bloggers. Oh, Let's keep moving on. Here's the thing, Dave. One last thing for me, and then we're off. Uh, I'd say next time we get one of these emails, please, Dave, in your email, just tell me a little bit about your skills, Dave. I know you got skills, brother. Maybe you know how to fix a generator. Maybe you know how to fix a bike. Maybe you know how to write uh, some code. Whatever it is, tell me a little bit about your skills so we can get going with that. All right, Dave. So hopefully we devoted the whole episode to Dave. So maybe Dave can write us back and we can share. I also want to know the specific problem that you feel like you can solve even if it's a small problem, like fix Ian's generator and the unique way in which you're going to do it. All right, Ian, we're going to get moving on to a new section of the show. If you guys would be so willing, we're going to call it Just the Tips. Oh, man. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> All right, buddy. So this week I found out I had to issue an invoice very fast. And I found out that Google Docs has a myriad of useful and helpful templates. This is probably old news. I know I'm a little behind the ball on a lot of this stuff. I don't actually do any real work anymore. But when forced to, I I went to Google Docs and found that there's so many really super useful templates. Google Docs is just getting much better. Now, let me share with you something way more useful on Google Docs. There is a Google Forms functionality now. And you can make things that are like woo-foo forms, and you can embed them onto your websites and stuff. But here's the baller part that I really like, is that they automatically put all the values via timestamp and IP stamp into a spreadsheet for you. So this is super useful for customer service stuff, like for Startup Summer, for example. Ian, instead of asking people a bunch of questions via email, you send them a form. 
Right. And when they fill it out, it automatically pumps it into a spreadsheet. I mean, I, mean, I know this sounds simple, but I mean, that saves you hours and hours of time. Um, you know, if you have 25 customers, you know, in, in our case, we've got 30 customers, 30 attendees, you know, we're, that's a lot of data. And, and to have that data just automatically in a spreadsheet has been super useful to us and our team. So absolutely. And it's free. Recommend that. And it's free. Yeah. It's nothing. It's free. You can use it today. Finally, I'd like to share with you guys some of the thoughts inspired in this episode were inspired by a book called The Facebook Effect. It's way cooler of a book than the title uh, would have you believe. And the reason is, Ian, is that they take you into the inside story of what is sort of like a more truthful, the social network, right? Like the movie. I yeah, think, I was just going to say, can I skip the book and just watch the movie? <laughs> I'll tell you what, the book is, is, is more interesting for entrepreneurs. And the reason is, is that you see, get to see the mindset of people growing one of the most important American companies the last few years and how their mindsets were not so different from a lot of the mindsets that me and you have, Ian, and a lot of the people listening to this show have, which is doubt, insecurity, tension, uh, lack of clarity about what to do. And you see that, you know, everybody pulls out Facebook as this big outlier company. Like, oh my gosh, nothing's like Facebook. But I started to look at it and say, wow, this is an interesting story. You know, um, Zuckerberg, the Zuckinator, man, he had a bunch of side projects going like late into the game because he wasn't sure about um, whether or not Facebook was going to make them money or whether it was going to be worth it. And I think this is something that a lot of people in the LBP community share as well is we got a bunch of things going on because we're not sure, you know, we, we lack confidence about where to focus. And it was really cool to see somebody at such a high level share the fundamental DNA of this entrepreneurial struggle, which is, you know, uncertainty and getting used to it and dealing with it. It's available on the Kindle and you can probably download it for free. Uh, if you use uh, those torrent sites that you love so much. so Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll be yeah. downloading it. Thank you for that, sir. All right. So it's uh, always a pleasure to join you on Thursday morning. Ian, I'm assuming you're familiar with Girl Talk. Oh, yeah. I know all about Girl Talk. They've been around the block for a while now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a DJ from Pittsburgh. He's famous for doing mashups, and uh, because he's just stealing the music, I think we're allowed to steal it from him. So let's play No Pause, one of my favorite tracks. This will increase your productivity. I got to go get productive. Speaking of it, Ian, I'll see you next Thursday, brother. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. So the reason I said it would take me eight weeks to earn a thousand to two thousand dollars a month is because I got skills, baby. 